Hello, and thank you for joining us on our Fort Road Victory Church podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us or get connected, please head to our website at frvc.ca. Now on with the sermon. Well, hello there. My name's Quinn. I get to do part two of the series we're in right now called Christmas Unfinished. We're exploring the idea that Christmas is still relevant today, and it's not just something we look back upon, but the story is still being written. Jesus is still coming back. And today, I have the opportunity to talk about sin. Yes, this message is going to be highly offensive. Actually, the title of this message is Christmas is Offensive. Because a Christmas story is not just something of hope, something of God's love. It's also highly offensive because of the sin issue. Sin is the whole reason why Jesus even had to come. While I was studying for this, uh, I ran into this YouTube video. Basically, somebody was asking, like, how do I share with my friend that, like, that they're a sinner, that, that sin is a thing? Because they're, this, they're, this person's friend didn't even believe in the idea of sin. They're like, there's no such thing as sin. There's no such thing as absolute truth or an absolute law. No, that's not real. So this person's asking like this group of pastors, like, so how do I convince this person that there is sin? One of the pastors just pipes up and he's like, steal his wallet. You see, you and I understand what sin is when somebody sins against us. The goal of today's message, I just want to be clear, is not to heap condemnation on any of you guys. It's not to make any of you guys feel terrible. Although, you might a little bit because this is a heavy topic. The goal also is not that you'd look at your husband or wife and be like, man, they are such a sinner. Um, I want you guys to look at yourselves today as we go through this message about sin. Really, the ultimate goal is that you and I would have a deeper understanding of what sin is and the weight of it, and that really will give us more of an understanding of God's unfathomable love. Because sin is really misunderstood in today's culture. We live in a culture that there's no absolute truth. We live in a culture that, you know, you have your truth, I have my truth. And unfortunately, some of this misunderstanding about sin has influenced the church. It has influenced the church in general. And we see that the church has never been more divided. The church has never been more divided. There are so many people, I see it on Facebook. Some people are do this to me, where it's like, man, you are the worst person ever. I hate you. There's this division, and it's even, in, it's even happening inside of the church. And it's coming from the world because the world misunderstands sin. So unfortunately, the church is starting to misunderstand sin. So what is sin really? Well, we might hear these simple definitions like to miss the mark, which is like an archery term where you just you don't hit the target. You might hear things like it means to break God's law or God's rules. I mean, even Jesus kind of summarized what sin is in this way. All sin really has to do with this, loving God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and loving others as yourself. But this idea of sin is confusing because it can refer to Sinning against God or sinning against someone else, hurting somebody. It can refer to having good or bad motives in what you do. It can just simply refer to failing to do what is right. But we don't really understand it that much in today's culture, even in the church. So I want to just ask a few questions to get you to understand more about what the sin issue is. Has somebody ever backstabbed you? Like maybe a friend, a family member? How did that make you feel? I've been backstabbed. I've been bullied. I remember growing up a lot of the time because I have a little bit more of a flamboyant personality. 
People in class would, the whole class would just laugh at me, yell at me, you're gay, you're gay, make fun of me. Even my closest friends would talk behind my back sometimes and backstab me. And let me tell you, that really hurt. How have you felt when somebody's backstabbed you, when you've been bullied? I have another question. Maybe you've been cheated on before. Or maybe you haven't, but how would that make you feel? How does that make you feel? Or maybe you've hurt somebody that you're really close to, like a friend or a family member, and you found out that you, you just really hurt this person. How has that made you feel? I know that I have hurt many people, whether intentionally, not intentionally. Sometimes I still do because I'm not perfect. And let me tell you, when I find out that I've hurt somebody I really care about, I feel terrible because I realize I've done something wrong against that person. See, this idea of sin, this kind of feeling we get when somebody wrongs us or we wrong somebody else, God has this feeling whenever we break his law, whenever we do something against what he's told us to do. Why? Because sin is a failure to love. It is a failure to love God in heart and actions. It's a failure to love others in your heart and with your actions. See, this feeling we have when somebody did something wrong against us, let me tell you, God feels that, but he feels it at a much larger scale that we can't even imagine. Sin is a big deal, whether big or small, whether it's a white lie or you murdered somebody. It is a big deal. God takes it seriously. And we're all sinners. We've all committed sin. And the Bible's so clear on this. Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death. Romans 3.10-12, No one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does good, not a single one. The Bible is very clear that we're all sinners. We've all failed to love God. We've all failed to love others or ourselves. And this is not how God wants humanity to be. But the Bible, God is describing this sin nature, this, this sin condition that we're all in as human beings. All throughout. And some, some of us might hear this. Some people in the world might hear this. Some people in the church might hear this. You're, this idea of being a sinner and think things like, yeah, whatever. I'm not that bad. Like, I volunteer, I do good things, I don't get this, I'm a good person. Some people might think, oh come on, I just broke one rule, how is it that bad? I still do more good things than bad things. Some people might think, oh, it's not like I murdered somebody, like come on God, really? Some people in the church might think, yeah, I'm, I'm a sinner, but I'm nothing compared to my wife. I'm nothing compared to my husband. 1 John 1.8 if we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. We're all sinners. Whether you believe today or you don't believe, this is a great reminder of God's place and our place. And by knowing that, we can better understand just the depth of Jesus' sacrifice and his love for us. Mark 2:17, Jesus says, Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. So whether you've been a Christian for years or you are thinking about becoming one, the first thing that you need to have in your mind and in your heart is that you know you're a sinner. God has not come for people that think they're all that. God has not come for people that think they're good. God's come for those of us that are sick. I'm sick with sin. 
This idea of sin in our culture is foreign and highly offensive. I want to give a couple scriptures that lay out where I really kind of see our culture at today. And just think about this for yourself. Think about this for the culture you live in as I read through this. Romans 1, 28 to 32. People did not think it was important to have a true knowledge of God. So God left them and allowed them to have their own worthless thinking. And so those people do the things that they should not do. They are filled with every kind of sin, evil, selfishness, and hatred. They are full of jealousy, murder, fighting, lying, and thinking the worst about each other. Go on social media, you can see that very easily. People think the worst about each other. They gossip and say evil things about each other. They hate God. They are rude and conceited and brag about themselves. They invent ways of doing evil. They do not obey their parents. They are foolish and do not keep their promises, and they show no kindness or no mercy to other people. They know, what God, they know God's law says that those who do this should die, but they continue to do these evil things, and they also feel that those who do these things are doing right. Does that sound like our culture today? Is this influencing the church at all? Do you see this type of thinking influencing the church? I do. 2 Timothy 3, 1-5. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. That sounds like our culture today. I'm super selfish, I'll be honest. You probably are too that's listening, let's be honest. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. Man, I'm not grateful a lot of the time. Sometimes I'm like, man, God, I hate this situation. What's, like, what are you doing? They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. Go to social media again. Unloving, unforgiving. You're wrong. I'm going to cancel you. Cancel culture. This sounds a lot like our world, doesn't it? They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. Yeah, but this, this verse, yeah, it's describing the world, but verse 5, it's actually about the church. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. Do you guys see that this kind of thinking from the world's crept into the church today? Is it affecting you? Is it affecting me? Let's take a moment today to understand our sin so that we can be humbled before God and that we would not be divided as a body of Christ. Christmas is offensive, and we need to understand that. It's because we're sinners. And when we understand that, we'll see all the more that Christmas shows God's love. Where are you in these verses I listed off? Where are you with this? It's so important to understand this. I have a little bit of an object lesson. I actually have two today that I'm going to be getting into. Um, Basically, I want to illustrate what sin is and what it does when we don't have Jesus in our life, when we don't accept Jesus' sacrifice for us. Okay? So sin. This is a permanent marker. Sin. It can be little things like lying, being jealous of somebody. It can be big things like maybe you murdered somebody. Maybe you committed adultery. You had sex with somebody that you're not married to. It can be any kind of sin like that. All sin makes us guilty before God. And here's the thing. I wrote down sin on the board here in permanent marker because I want to display something. On our own, we are not good. 
on our own, no matter how many good things we do, because all of us are sinners, we cannot erase our sin. We cannot get rid of it. It's stuck here, you guys. It's stuck without Jesus. I cannot erase my sin, no matter how good of a person I am, no matter how much I try to make up for it. I'm a sinner. And that's what God sees. Isaiah 64, 6 says, But we are all like an unclean thing. All, uh, all our righteousness are like filthy rags. Here's the reality, guys. Jesus is the only one who can make us good. God uses multiple words to describe our condition um, as humanity. He uses, he uses words like depraved, like crooked, like bent, like shameful, guilty. Man, I got a real picture of what being crooked or bent meant, like means this week. I hurt my lower back really bad this past Sunday. And let me tell you, there's been times where I cannot stand up. I cannot sit down. Instead, I fall down to the ground because my back's in so much pain. My back is not supposed to be like that. Being crooked or bent, that means the original purpose or original way the thing's supposed to be is straight. My back's not supposed to be in so much pain that I have a hard time standing up, sitting down. God uses all these different types of words to describe the human condition, that we are broken in need of a savior. I have a second object lesson and trigger warning. This one's a little bit disgusting. You see this present here. This represents you and I. You know, I do some good things. I volunteer. I do things for, for God. I do a lot of good stuff. I've, I clean myself up. I get dressed in the morning. I look pretty good. But what is inside? Well, let's see. Ah, I don't need this. I don't need these scissors. Let's just go for it. Oh, oh gosh. Again, trigger warning. This is disgusting. But this, this, is, this is a picture, okay, of what we look like before God. Oh my gosh, I can't even get out of the box here. Ooh. Okay. This is a picture of what we look like before God without Jesus. This is a picture of our sin. This is nasty. This is disgusting. I'm trying to help all of us understand just how in need of Jesus we are. Why he had to come and be born on this earth. This is the mess that God sees. This is you and I without Jesus. I'm going to put this away. I'm going to quickly go wash my hands and come back quickly. All right, I'm back. Got clean hands. That's the magic of editing and doing an online pre-recorded service. Um, so that is a picture of our sin condition. That is a very simplified version of what God sees. God hates sin, but he loves us. Christmas is offensive. We're all sinners. And that's why Jesus came. That's why Jesus was born. Even a little white lie, even a little bit of selfishness, this is what we are in our sin. But man, Christmas story is both offensive and a message of hope and love. The main point of today's message is this. You cannot get yourself good, so God will love you. No, God already loves you. Here's the truth. You can only give yourself to Jesus so he can make you good. Because in Jesus, this is not the mess that you and I are anymore. He makes us a new creature. And Jesus was the only one good enough to be that sacrifice for us. You see, the Christmas story is Jesus being born into this world. 
as an innocent baby, living a perfect life, never sinning once, and offering himself freely on the cross for your and my sins. This is what the Christmas story is about. Jesus' blood covers our sin. Whether you're like me and you got a little bit of pride, you have your walls up, you sometimes hurt people because you have walls up. Whether it's lust, whether it's greed, whatever, whatever it is, whatever sin it is, Jesus is the only one that can cover your and my sin. Why? Because he loves us. This is the whole point of the Christmas story. Jesus is the only one that could cover our sin. If you're struggling with believing that Jesus loves you, let me tell you, what God is crazy enough to come down and make himself small for you and I so that we could be forgiven? See, Christianity is nothing like other world religions. It's different because we don't have to earn anything because we can't. And God knew that. So what he did is he came himself. He came to earth as one of us. And he took all of our sin onto himself. All the times that you and I have wronged others, all the times you and I have wronged God, Jesus took that on himself willingly. And now, he doesn't hold that sin against us anymore in Jesus. Now, he doesn't see that sin, he doesn't see that mass anymore in Jesus. R.C. Sproul said this, why do bad things happen to good people? Well, that only happened once, and he volunteered. Inspiring philosophy says this, God himself took responsibility for our evil. God allowed justice to fall on himself so mercy might fall on us. You see, the Christmas story is super offensive, saying that we're sinners in need of a Savior, and the Savior came into the world. It also is a story about God's unfathomable love for mankind who does not deserve forgiveness, who does not deserve his love. See, this is a picture. This ugly thing I showed you in this box is a picture of us without God's forgiveness. But God loves you and I so much that we don't have to be that way anymore. So I'm going to read a prophecy. It's in the Bible, in the book of Isaiah, chapter 53. It's about what Jesus had to go through because of your and my sin. And let me tell you this, this is the most important part to understand. Jesus is God, and he willingly did this. He wanted to do this for you and I. This is not some type of cosmic child abuse like atheists will say. No, this is God himself choosing to be the sacrifice for us. So let me read through this. It says, he had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men. Some of you guys feel like you've been rejected. You feel like you're worthless. Let me tell you, Jesus took that on himself. Let's continue. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was a chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. I want to describe what had to happen to Jesus. Before he got up on the cross, they had this whip that would take chunks 
out of people. Like it had little hooks. It, it took chunks out of people. And they knew just the amount of times to whip him right before he would die. And they did it so they'd keep him alive. Imagine that. It's just whipping him in the back. And he's willingly taking this. He's God. He could have called angels. He could have he like stopped this from happening, but he willingly took it. They put a crown of thorns on him that pierced his skull. Willingly took this. Some people say that he might have been raped. He was for sure naked while this was happening. So he was, he was ashamed. He was, he was put to shame. And he willingly did this for us. And then he had to carry a heavy cross up a hill and he couldn't fully do it because it's heavy. So somebody had to help him. Then they would nail his wrists onto a cross, onto a wooden, a wooden device. And they'd nail through his feet and he'd hang and suffocate. Think about this. This was the cost of our sin and our God loves us so much that he would do this willingly for us. He didn't have to. I want to continue reading verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and as for his generation who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. And he made his grave of the wicked and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence. And there is no deceit in his mouth. Listen to this. And this is because God loves you. Verse 10. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. And when his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. It's God's will. Why? Because he loves you so much. You and I are a mess. We don't deserve God's love. We don't deserve his grace. We don't deserve his forgiveness. Yet it was his will to give it to us anyways. God loves you so much. A sinner. A mess. Just like me. But he loves us. Verse 11. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied by his knowledge. Shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous. And he shall bear their iniquities. In Jesus, we're no longer this mess. We are good. We are made right. By what he did. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death, and was numbered with the transgressors, yet he bore the sin of many. He makes intercession for the transgressors. Are you thankful that Jesus came for you and I? Are you thankful? Do you see just how much love he has for you and I? that don't deserve it. It's an incredible, profound love. He loves you that much. I have an application today. Become more humble. How? By not compromising the truth while embracing God's grace. We cannot compromise the truth that we're sinners, but we also can't neglect God's amazing grace and his amazing love and sacrifice that he made. Become more humble by remembering those things. 
Revelation 21.5 Behold, I am making all things new. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. This mess that I am, that you are, when we accept Jesus and his sacrifice, we're no longer this ugly mess before God. We're made right. God does not see us like this anymore. We look like his son, Jesus. We're made good in the eyes of God, and it's free. Listen, if you're a believer, I hope you're taking today as a good reminder because we can't allow ourselves to be divided as the church. How are we going to stay humble and not divided? By remembering our place and God's place and God's amazing grace. This is a Christmas story. God loves us. God so loved the world that he sent his only son. And if you don't believe today, I want to encourage you. God loves you. You've been searching for truth in the world. You've been maybe searching for it in spirituality. Maybe you're atheist, agnostic, but you know something's wrong. Let me tell you, you're a sinner. I'm a sinner. But in spite of that, God loves you and he wants to forgive you. All you got to do is confess with your mouth that you're a sinner and just confess Jesus as your Savior. Accept his forgiveness for you because of his finished work on the cross. See, Jesus lived, died, rose again. So as soon as you put your trust in him and what he did for you, you're forgiven. So admit you're a sinner. Accept his forgiveness. I want to encourage you to do that today. You know, church, this Christmas message is so important. We can't compromise on it and the truth about it. I just want to end off with some prayer. Some of you guys, it'd be a good idea to spend some time praying with God and worshiping him with some worship music. If you need anything, uh, just send us a message. We'll get back to you and help you out. But I'm just going to end with some prayer. Thank you for listening. God, I just thank you. I thank you that you sent your son Jesus to be a sacrifice for us, to, for me, for those watching. God, I just thank you that we have encountered you today and have a deeper understanding of your love for us. God, it's unfathomable that you'd love creatures like us that have sinned against you, have wronged you. God, I just pray for those watching that, yeah, they'd have that deeper understanding. God, I pray for those struggling right now that you just come in and just comfort them and show them how much you love them. Jesus, we thank you that you chose to come and be born, to live a perfect life, and to be a sacrifice for us on the cross. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you. You did not have to do that, but you chose to. We thank you, Jesus. And God, I just ask that you bless everybody throughout this week. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we hope you got a lot out of today's sermon. If you'd like to connect with us, please feel free to check out our website at frvc.ca. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Have a great day, everyone.